Welcome to The Teacher's Story. I'm Jackie Scully. This is a podcast to elevate teacher voice. In this program, you will hear teachers sharing their journey into this profession and their ideas for education. I'm kicking it off Teacher Appreciation Week, which starts May 2nd. This is about honest, vulnerable, inspiring storytelling. It's a time and a space for teachers to share their ideas for the future of education. Teachers are beautiful beings who give their heart and soul to their community. They're innovators, they're inspirational, not only to children, but to the people around them. And they deserve to share their voice. So welcome to the teacher's story, enjoy. Hi, welcome to the teacher's story. I'm Jackie Scully and today we have Kenny PB with us today. And I uh, connected with Kenny through another friend of mine, Sally Palmer on LinkedIn. And they had a connections, particularly looking at like nature education. Um, Kenny is an educator and author, and he works at the Green School in Bali, Indonesia, originally from Georgia, and studied in Bozeman at um, Montana State University, um, getting his Master of Science Education. So quite a journey and background, and I'm so excited to learn more about you today. Thanks, Kenny. Yes. Hello, I'm really excited to be here and I'm happy that we met and I was really excited when you got in touch on LinkedIn because I would I was following your your work and your blog and your um, postings and I was like I hope someday I can be on your podcast and your show. Oh wonderful. <laughs> so I'm cool. so glad to have you here. So my first question for you is what inspired you to first get into education? Um it was a little bit of an accident. I was working in science and I was doing a lot of field work technician, field technician, collecting samples for grad students and scientists at the University of Georgia. And I had, I was working on my science degree and I knew that I love science and I knew that I love nature. But one thing I noticed is a lot of scientists will spend like a couple days out in the field and then many, many months in the laboratory mm -hmm. analyzing their data. And I was like, I don't know if I want to do that. I kind of think I want to be more interactive with people and out in the forest more out in nature a bit more and I love science and I love people and I love sharing my love for science so it naturally led into sort of a, a teaching direction and I was like okay I love science but I don't know if I want to be a scientist per se mm -hmm. I don't know if I want to get in a laboratory or analyze data or write papers I think I want to actually get people excited about science so that was kind of one of the factors that got me into it yeah, and I often find like when I ask that question, um, probably more uh, teachers are like, I fell into it or it was an accident or it was never something I thought about doing. But then there's like this right. thing that pulls at you where you're like, I love this subject or I love connecting with kids or mentorship. And then it kind of just naturally comes into the profession. So that's really neat. And um, so what were some exactly. of your early... Uh, teaching experiences did you go right like abroad or did you teach in like America for a little bit first no I was in the states for a while so like you said I, I'm from Georgia and then one of my first jobs was teaching for a maternity leave so a lady went on maternity leave I think in like January and I need a biology science teacher and Winder Barrow County so if, if you look on the map you'll find all the different counties of Georgia and that's where I was, I was living actually near the University of Georgia. And it was like a 45 minute commute. I drove over, I said, you know, I'm fresh out of university. I've just got my teaching degree. And they're like, you, you're hired. Um, 
you know, as you know, like if you're in the right place at the right time, it's easy to get those jobs. And I just happened to be there because it was kind of competitive back then to get a science job. Mm. But someone was leaving and it's hard for them to fill those positions in like mid-year. Mm-hmm. So I just happened to walk in the door at the right time. So it was kind of a serendipity luck. Good luck. That's kind of what happened with me. I was graduating actually in December. So it was like the middle of like a year anyways, because I took an extra semester to do, because I wanted to do my student teaching in the fall. And there was a maternity leave in February and it was like, boom, you just got it right away. You didn't have to worry about being on this like conveyor belt of like all these teachers looking for jobs and you're like scrambling all summer to try to get a job. And then that sometimes can lend itself to maybe a full-time role. Um, so exactly. how about your early experiences first, uh, teaching like in other countries? Cause you've taught in some other outside. Yeah. Of Indonesia. yeah. Well, you know, it wasn't another country, but it, it almost was because my next job was in California. Okay. And so, so, so different than Georgia, like very yeah. the opposite end of the country. And for that one, I ended up in an outdoor science school and because my, my job, at the public school in Georgia, maternity leave, I, I filed with the like career center at the university and, and got recruited. So like an outdoor science school called me up and said, Hey, we have a job starting. And it was right at the time that I would finish my contract for the maternity leave. So I, I ended up there and I know it's not another country, but it, it was so yeah. different. That was my first big trip outside uh-huh. of my home state, um, to California and then from there, I moved back to Georgia and taught at a nature center, which was cool. Mm-hmm. But then to answer your question, my first job was, again, another maternity leave. Um, it was an, another, by chance, I was traveling and I went to Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, mm-hmm. just to travel around mm-hmm. Southeast Asia and kind of see what things were all about. And I walked into the school and said, hey, I'm in the country. I'm a science teacher. And they said, well we have a maternity leave coming up if you would like to start and see what it's all about. So again, I just happened to be in the right place at the right time. So I, it really was luck. Like I didn't plan it, but just walking in and being a little bit, I guess, courageous maybe, or just being a little bit bold and saying, Hey, I'm here. If you need a substitute teacher or if you need something and they said, sure. Um, So that was at the international school of Kuala Lumpur, which was really lucky because it's actually kind of a, a, a well-known school and kind of a hard school to get into. It's pretty competitive to get a teaching job there. But just because I was in the right place at the right time, I was able to get in, in the back door, you know, so to speak, in like January. Wow. So it was kind that of cool. is amazing. It's like it was all meant to be. I've actually, yeah. have, I don't know if it's that school, but I've had some friends that are from the UK that I met when I taught in a summer camp in China and they have taught in Malaysia for a really long time and love it. Um, And that was actually one of the places I was supposed to go to in 2020 for a wedding. And we were going to do this whole like tour through like Vietnam, Cambodia. I'm very into Southeastern like Asian culture. Yeah. And I've never been like outside. The only place I've gone to in Asia is China. And, uh, of course, it was like planned for years, and then it was like 2020. <laughs> right. So maybe someday oh, I'll, I'll get there. Um, and yeah, and they're they're one of the hardest ones to get to now, just mm. because of COVID and everything. Mm-hmm. China's not easy to travel in at the moment. Yeah. 
So kind of getting into that, since you brought that up, and now if you want to also talk about the green school, um, the pandemic, and particularly where you're at now in Bali, how has that experience been? And just also, you could talk about your your school too. Yeah, it's, I think like everyone, it's been a really interesting, I would say, trying time, a hard time. Um, you are all about experiential education and hands-on education and, you know, outdoor education. A lot of people were scrambling to figure out how can we do that virtually? Mm. And, you know, we tried so many different things. You know, I'm sure during the pandemic, you kept hearing the word pivot. Oh, yeah. Like, I hate that word now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a big fan of it either because we pivot every like week. We're like, okay, let's try this. Oh, that. Okay, let's try that. And, you know, everyone was pivoting for like two years or three years. Um, <laughs> and we did all kinds of things. But in the end, it's, I don't think it's optimal. And mm -hmm. we're, we're starting to see some of the repercussions of terms of the social emotional learning and anxiety that kids mm -hmm. are facing. But just to, to sort of answer that question, we had some success in teaching some online courses, you know, like getting kids at home to like grow plants and do gardening mm -hmm. and make natural dyes out of plants that they had around their apartments or their houses, um, vertical gardens, particularly taking old water bottles and stringing them together and hanging them up and planting plants. And our whole goal was like, how do we keep kids connected to nature yeah. during this time? Like during this really hard trying time when they can't go outside or they're quarantined or they're locked in an apartment or a condominium, mm. how do we get those kids and those parents outdoors connecting with nature and so you know it turns out there's not a great way to do that virtually so we tried a lot of things but it didn't quite work <laughs> mm. like I was thinking just having outdoor education and a school that's predominantly like using nature as part of your curriculum you would have thought like in the pandemic being outside you'd be able to do that but I guess like the rules were probably still very strict you know, in Bali with like yeah. the lockdown and everything. I think like maybe in America, some of those like nature schools actually grew because we could be outside, like we could have outside classrooms, like even at the height of the pandemic. Um, but yeah, so like from your point of view, you're, you still had to do a lot of virtual. Yeah, so it really was kind of up and down. At some points they would loosen the restrictions and we could open up for a little while. But then they would tighten back down. So I mm -hmm. think, it, you know, like a lot of places, it was up and down. And we had to basically follow the government rules, you know, mm -hmm. and, and they were pretty strict on closing public schools, closing international schools, and actually closing public places like the malls. Even at, for a, a, a little while, the beaches were closed, you know, parks were closed, like people just weren't allowed to access those areas. Mm -hmm. But in a sense, we were very lucky because Bali has a lot of green space. So even if you are in sort of the city, you still can go to a rice field mm. and be pretty secluded. So it wasn't like a total lockdown like you might have in a really urban area. I mm -hmm. imagine like Kuala Lumpur, I think, had a hard time. Mm -hmm. um, my friends in Beijing had a hard mm. time. My friends in Singapore had a hard time. And in America, I imagine the big cities, New York City, mm -hmm. Los Angeles, Atlanta, all those really developed areas probably had more more restrictions and a harder time than, like, say, the, the suburban or urban or 
the countryside yeah. sort of areas where they yeah. had some more access to outdoors. So how is it now? Are you able to have your like full curriculum the way you had it before? Can you talk a little bit about what you do at the Green School? Yes, we're back in full swing and let's just hope it stays that way. Um, and, you know, I think like a lot of schools, it was up and down and now we're going back up. We're climbing enrollments going back up. People are coming back to Bali. Tourists are coming back. Yeah. Families are coming back. And so <laughs> we're getting back to more or less the way it was before COVID in terms of the numbers of kids and the numbers of students and the numbers of tourists, um, which all, you know, makes the school go back up. Mm -hmm. And what I'm doing now, mm -hmm. I, I do a couple of different things, which is quite interesting. Um, I teach math and science. So at the moment I'm teaching math and I'm teaching in the middle school and we have sort of a blend of a traditional math where I'm teaching algebra but we don't teach it in a traditional way. So we try to find experiential hands-on ways to teach those concepts. And it can be challenging at times. Um, like we were talking about before, the, sometimes the parents want a more traditional route. They want to see worksheets and quizzes and tests. And while we kind of see some value in that, that's not our focus. So we try to do more hands-on experiential. So there's always sort of a balance on how do we how do we meet all those needs? Mm -hmm. And I think that's probably true for a lot of schools and a lot of teachers. Um, so that's one of my roles. Another role is I teach green school English, which is basically ESL or ELL. Mm -hmm. English is a second language for primary school. So I'm in the middle school as well as the primary school. And that one's pretty fun because, you know, it's all, that one is definitely all experiential reading, writing, doing stories. We go for nature hikes. We write stories about what we see. We have a program, what we call Jalan Jalan, which in um, Indonesia means go wandering around. Mm. So we go wandering around and see what we can see. And then we come back and we learn the language associated with it. We draw pictures, we label the pictures, you know, learning all the language and vocabulary. We do cooking class and they learn, you know, they write their own cookbook. So that, that one mm. is definitely learning English in sort of a experiential hands-on way is, is definitely a lot of fun for that age group. I'm sure. Um, I mean, I had some of that experience when I taught in China for that summer of 2015. We did a lot of hands-on types of activities and projects. And I had like sixth grade, seventh grade, but still very much that, you know, um, doing like role-playing, like we would have like a dinner and we would actually bring food in and we would like make sandwiches and then we would talk about it. And it was just a lot of fun when you can like make it kind of like a game or an activity. I love this idea of going on a nature hike and then using that yes. exploratory experience in your writing. Yes, no, and that's, that's exactly what we do. And it's basically like, what did you see? What do you wonder? What do you want to know? And we can sketch it because they're younger kids. They can draw pictures and label it. And, you know, I'll, we'll talk about we, we saw a butterfly or we saw a spider. We have rice fields, which is always so cool because we always find crabs, crayfish, frogs. And once you have kids out there in the environment and nature, you don't really have to teach them. Like they'll come mm -hmm. up with it on their own. They'll, they'll scramble around and find cool stuff. They'll run up to you and be like, you know, what is this? What is this? And you tell them about it. And they repeat it back to you. And then we go back to the classroom and write about it. So it's, it's pretty ideal for mm -hmm. that type of learning. 
And I, I can imagine like children really holding on to uh, remembering the, the language because they're yeah. using it and they're out and they're excited and they're exploring instead of like, yeah, do a worksheet or do a traditional right. lesson. So kind of getting into my last part is that you're at a very different school compared to most schools, <laughs> and especially like schools we see in America. I'm at a private school, so it's a little bit more flexibility than what I was able to do at a public school, but still very traditional. What What's kind of maybe your takeaways from being at the Green School or overall how you see how we can reform education or make it better for this next generation? Like any ideas that you have or things that you are doing at your school that maybe could lend itself slightly to other schools? Yeah, sure. Um, there's a couple things. One is, you know, I've been very much focused on outdoor education and getting out into nature basically my whole career. And that was mostly because of my early experiences playing outside and then going on to university and studying biology. And I always wanted some sort of science where kids would learn about whatever they were seeing, whether it was botany or entomology or, you know, whatever plants and animals they're seeing. But what COVID did for me and what I've really gotten into more is the outdoor education is one slice of the pie, mm -hmm. but the bigger pie really is the health and well-being. Mm -hmm. And I've really gotten into, okay, nature is good for us and all these different ways, whether it's cognitively, like thinking, and processing information, whether it's social, emotional, mm -hmm. like we just feel better when we're outdoors, whether it's um, sort of a spiritual connection to nature where we feel connected to something bigger than ourselves and we feel at peace and we feel this sort of inner harmony, or whether it's just your physical health, like you're running around, you're getting sun, you're jumping and climbing. So I've kind of widened my mm -hmm. own view of that and thinking, okay, I love science and I love biology and I love nature. But that's one piece of it. And the bigger piece is getting outdoors for our social health, our mental health, our physical health, our cognitive health, our psychological health. Like, and I guess that's what we might call educating the whole child, like mm -hmm. considering all aspects of, of kids and what we all need. And what I always have to keep saying is not only kids, but us, adults, teachers, parents, we need it as well. Like Absolutely. we need time outdoors to decompress, to reflect, to think, to connect. So I think that can be applied anywhere in any school. And it's just a matter of if the teachers and parents can see the value in that. Mm -hmm. You don't have to go outside and study biology, but I think you have to go outside to be healthy. And mm -hmm. whatever you end up doing to be healthy, whether it's reading poetry or doing art or studying natural history or or, learning, or even learning those outdoor skills like building campfires, build, you know, pitching a tent, all those things. To me, they all come together to make us more whole and more complete and more happy and healthy. Yeah, I completely but, agree. Um, I think being on computers like all the time on technology for two years, over two years, has really weighed on our mental health. And like even students coming back uh, to school last year when we were like kind of still trying to come back and do it safely. Um, they just seemed very disconnected and it just almost like they didn't know how to interact anymore. And we're in the Northeast, so it's very cold most of the year, but I feel right, like right. you could still have spaces with maybe like heaters or like some kind of enclosed canopy or something 
where if it's dry out, you could still go out and be kind of like getting that fresh air. Cause like we tend to just be inside on our computers and I would go and walk by like classrooms, like especially in the winter time where it is really like not so nice outside. And we're like, it's just kids on computers. And if they're doing that from like 8.30 almost to like three o'clock besides like lunchtime, I'm like, oh, this is not, this is not good for your physical health or social health or whatnot. So like I, for one little thing I've been doing is just having like a no tech day where we're yeah. not on computers, we're not on anything, we're journaling, we're writing. And I want to use that when it's like a good weather day and go outside and have them give them a prompt, but then go right outside and then just spend time doing that. And then we can like come together in like a circle, like on our oval or lawn area. And we do have some outdoor spaces with like tables with like coverings too, um, that we can sit outside. So I, I would like to see in the future, just more of this emphasis, like you said, on the whole child and not just like the core subjects, what grade you're getting, GPA, all of that, um, because we're just, I don't know, I feel like these kids, their anxiety is like through the roof right now. It's yeah. not good. Yeah. Not, and especially in America, yeah. it's just like little anxious kids everywhere. I, yeah, so I 100% agree and can empathize and sympathize because it's global. I've talked to colleagues and peers all over the world, as, as maybe you have too. And we're definitely seeing anxiety. We're seeing online bullying. We're seeing mm. stress. We're seeing all these things that are happening because they're not interacting face-to-face, -face, because they're not getting that social connection. They're not getting that nature connection, that outdoor connection. And I definitely agree with you 100%. And it sounds like you've got some cool things going because that's one of the questions people ask me is like, we're in the city, what can we do? And, and you just answered that. Like, you can have some prompts, you can go outside, you can write about it, you could go up to your school rooftop, you could go out to your school playground, but at least get outside, get the wind in your face, you know, get some sunlight, maybe see a few trees or a few grasshoppers, whatever you happen mm -hmm. to have around. And just try to keep making that connection. And then, mm -hmm. like you said, go back and discuss it in the classroom later. But the no tech day, you know, get off the devices and connect with real human beings. It's, it's crucial. Yeah. You know? And some of my best lessons recently since the beginning of the school year have been on those days where it's like really stripped down. It's like here, it's a composition book, a, a prompt, usually like a pretty big idea prompt like we focused on one day, the um, International Day of Peace goal, which is to end racism and build peace. And, you know, big, big goal, right? Big, big problem. But we just had like an amazing conversation. Like I, it could have gone into two lessons, obviously. Right. Like, I mean, there's so much to talk about. And it's okay to strip things down. Like, I feel like sometimes teachers struggle with I got to cover all this stuff, you know, yeah. and I got to get, I got to jam all this in and I got to look super productive. So that means maybe being like doing a project on the computer. It's like, it's okay to just slow down and like take some time to write and talk for a half hour or yes. 60 minutes even it's, and you're doing that like once a week, that's, you're still able to cover other curriculum and things that you need to get done. Uh, exactly. And you know, something to think about, you mentioned they're on their, their computers like 8.30 until 3. 
but it's actually more than that because then they go home and they're mm. on their phones or whatever and the statistic that sticks with me which you know we, we can fact check it or verify it later but i think it's in this ballpark like the average kid spends seven to eight minutes a day outdoors but about seven to eight hours on a device mm, i could believe it so you know it's so disproportionate yeah um that they're not outside device free roaming running playing jumping skipping what things that kids are meant to do yeah but you know they're just staring at their phone and at their laptops and doing that yeah that type of learning i think the pandemic is allowing us to think differently about education because right before the pandemic it was all about technology it was like all these new apps all these new bells and whistles ed tech is huge right now and not to take anything away from those tools that could be really great and engaging when used you know in a moderate way but it's like we went like almost full throttle with like the ed tech and then the pandemic happened and then we were just on Zoom or on computers constantly. And it just, I think, awakened something in us like, this is not sustainable. Like, right. we cannot do this. We might have to start to look at, you know, doing things in a different way and, and getting outside and having nature education be a priority, like in schools when possible. I've noticed, especially, and it may just be because it's my sort of echo chamber or my bubble, but I've noticed a lot more interest in outdoor education, getting kids outdoors since the pandemic. And I think the mm -hmm. timing is right for that exact reason. So I don't know if it's just because I look for that type of information. So I have sort of that uh, bias, mm -hmm. confirmation bias, but I'm starting to notice like more people, more teachers, more schools, more parents saying, no, we're, we're tired of devices. We yeah. want kids to be outside. Yeah. And there's, there's lots of benefits to that. Absolutely. Well, where can our listeners find you? Do you have any, and I'll link it in the show notes, any like website or information, maybe your school website um, that they can connect with you? Sure. Sure. I'll, I will share that with you that you can put up later. I do have a pretty active um, Facebook group called okay. The Box People, which is all about getting outdoors. And on that page, I share lots of free resources for mm. teachers and for parents and homeschoolers, like how to get outside. So I'll share that with you. That's great. And my LinkedIn, I, I think you, if you see my LinkedIn, I do very similar things. I'm mm -hmm. always sharing ideas, resources, you know, lesson plans, activities. So that I'll definitely make sure you have that. And then the school is called the Green School Bali. And you just get on the search engine and type in the Green School in Bali and it will pop up. It'll be one of the first links. Thank you so much. And that's great that you share so many resources and I'm sure there's many educators or even parents uh, listening today that might wanna check that out um, because that's another thing that's growing at least here in America is homeschooling. Um, yes. And so that would be a really great resource for them to see uh, your group on Facebook and also LinkedIn. Yes. Thank you, Kenny. Excellent. I really enjoyed Thank this you. conversation. Yes, I really enjoyed it and I'm so happy I met you. Thank me you so too. much. One day I will get to Southeast Asia and maybe, maybe I'll yes. get to meet you in person because it is a big yeah. goal of mine. <laughs> Definitely. If you come to Southeast Asia, especially to Bali, mm -hmm. we'll show you around. Make sure you can see all the cool things. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You too. Bye. Bye.